This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 428. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode, we're doing a very special first for podcast Under the Stairs. This is our end of month recap. The recap episodes will drop at the end of every single month this year, minus October because we already kind of do a massive series of reviews during that month but the recap episodes are purely for reviews of brand new horror titles that came out in this month that I got a chance to check out. There are going to be mini reviews and non-spoiler as well and in this episode you're getting mini reviews of Skinnamarink, Megan, Ennis Main, Sick, There's Something Wrong With The Children, Unwelcome and Sorry About the Demon. These movies have been released in various places, either theatrically or on streaming channels like Shudder or are about to get releases on Shudder like Skinnamarink which will be out at the end of the week. Others are available on The Cock and that's Peacock for those that don't know and Hulu as well as cinema releases like Ennis Main which played um, independent theatres in the UK and Unwelcome, which is, I believe, playing most theatres in the UK, which once again blows the mind of this humble little podcaster who's still to see peril because it hasn't been released in the UK yet. So yeah, mini reviews, unspoiled, no spoilers at all on this episode. So use the time coding, use your best judgement if you want to know absolutely zero about any of the movies we're reviewing on this episode, then please just jump ahead. Okay, ladies and gents, we are going to do this by catching you up very quickly and then powering into our reviews. A brand new week of podcast content coming from under the stairs ahead for you. Two episodes, you're getting this episode today and then on Sunday, 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 we're bringing you the long-awaited return of the 88 Films Italian Collection series. Now, this was supposed to drop last week and then I delayed it. And the reason I delayed it is there was actually something wrong with the disc that I bought. So I had to return it and get a brand new one. So there we are. Simple as that. No drama, no drama. Just good old-fashioned customer service. On the Teapots Collective, tomorrow you are getting a little bit of doing the nasty. And on Sunday... This week, you'll be getting the kind of season finale, season intro to where to begin with. So that is your lineup for the week. You will have noted throughout January the reduced content. I did tell you this was going to happen and it will continue happening throughout the year. Raining back in those rains. Um, less content but hopefully you're enjoying it and please check out our YouTube page as well some of the episodes are now going up there the ones that are in video format we are in the process of doing a lot of work 
to essentially get in a position where all future episodes will be video episodes, uh, but baby steps to make sure that we get all the tech correct first. Okay, ladies and gents, I'm going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear a little teaser for our first mini-review. This is Skinamarink. When I return, I'm discussing it right after this. you've just heard a teaser for Skinamarink. This one is making its way to Shudder this week, so you can check out at the end of the week. It's directed by Kyle Edward Ball, who also wrote the movie as well. I think it's based on a short that he'd made previously, with a limited cast here with Jamie Hill, Lucas Paul, Ross Paul, and Dally Rose Tetrot, I think is how you pronounce that, most likely isn't, but there we go. Um, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as two children wake up in the middle of the night to find the father is missing and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Which is kind of on the level, really. Yeah, it's, it's about there. To be honest, it, this movie, we're not spoiling it. There isn't a huge amount to spoil here, to be honest. Um, I can imagine this movie is going to piss off a lot of people. The reason it's going to piss off a lot of people is what you're hearing is this is the scariest movie you're going to see this year. And for some people, I reckon it's going to be the scariest movie that you've seen this year. I also think for other people, this is going to be a tedious slog with no let up and no explanation either. I fall into the camp that I actually really quite like this movie, although I fully recognise its flaws. The biggest flaw is calling it a movie. Um, I think, I mean, conventionally, it isn't a movie, um, but by by most points, it doesn't have a proper start, middle, and end per se, but also really does. And I might sound like I'm um, I'm beating about the bush, but it is very difficult to describe to someone who has not experienced Skinamarink yet what the movie is actually like. The best I've got to it when speaking to people is that I class this as an experience horror movie. Uh, in a lot of respects reminds me, it's very reminiscent of um, kind of those games that you would find on, on Steam or something that are kind of small piece horror survival games where your character walks in the woods or you know you're, you're like without context or doing something and your flashlight goes out or depending on where you go certain things happen the movie will only really be effective i think personally if you watch this in a very dark room um with either the sim turned up full or a really good pair of headphones on 
for the experience. It relies on a lot of its sim design and a lot of its perceived what is not happening on the screen to the audience to have its effect. If you are prepared to let that roll over you, then I think you will have a good time with this movie and for the most part I did. Very few gripes with it, notwithstanding the biggest one for me, which is the runtime. It's an hour and 40 minutes long and it's adapted from a short and that short wasn't and obviously wasn't an hour and 40 long and I feel that they really do stretch this one out in a way which overall feels like we tread a lot of the same ground over and over again but in terms of originality um, design and execution Skinamarink is a movie which kind of embodies and ensues a lot of the the passion behind a project like Blair Witch Project and that is lo-fi, it's cobbled together, it's clearly a, a kind of art installation of some description and we're just kind of hoping that it arrives in a way that makes everyone happy by the end. Um, it worked for me. Like I say, I think the sound design is excellent. I think it's probably its biggest asset. It's very disjointed. It kind of almost feels at times like what would happen if David Lynch, a la Inland Empire, decided to make a found footage horror movie. Um, then Skinamarink is probably what you would get. Weirdly unsettling at times. like re Genuinely creepy at times. And scared me several several times due to the sound design um overall i think it's probably about 10 minutes too long um but it's easily one of the more original movies that i think anyone is going to see this year and shudder is the perfect place for it because like i say you're either going to be really on board with skin of a rink and it's going to float your boat um, and tickle your fancy or you're going to hate it and i dare say when i check in the comments section on Shudder in about a month's time. It'll be interesting to see how that split actually looks. I gave Skinamarink 4 out of 5. I really liked it. I think um, Kyle Edward Ball is an interesting fellow and we will be keeping an eye on him to see where he goes next. Speaking of going next, um, yeah, let's take a, let's take a little second uh, and set up our next review, which is for Megan. Studies indicate that a staggering 78% of a parent's time is spent dishing out the same basic instructions. Oh my God, Katie, you have to flush the toilet. It is not that hard. So we found someone else to pick up the slack. Katie, flush the toilet. Wash your hands. Roll up your sleeves. Great job. It was my friend Jenny's birthday. And Megan's an excellent listener. This guy told them that the 13th floor was haunted. And she even has a few stories of her own. If it was so, it might be. And if it were so, it would be. But as it isn't, it ain't. That's logic. Said Tweedledee. She'll never run out of ways to keep your child occupied. And she'll never run out of patience. Katie, seriously, flush the toilet. With Megan around, she'll take care of the little things, so you can spend more time doing the things that matter. 
Okie dokie, directed by Jenna Johnson, who is probably more known for Housebound, a movie from a few years ago, it was a kind of New Zealand horror comedy, owed a lot to the people under the stairs, uh, is returned with the Blumhouse dollars behind him and is giving us Megan, um, kind of foray into AI um, and killer dolls. You've probably all seen the trailer by now. If you haven't, then well done you. You've successfully disconnected from the internet. Um, you've probably seen the dance, which has been parodied and shared everywhere. Um, but did you go and see Megan? And I wonder if he did because a lot of people went to see Megan. The movie was hugely successful, as a lot of horror movies in January are. Especially Blumhouse titles because they got their shit down on lock. Um, but as we're saying that, this movie's already been greenlit for a sequel, which is going to be called Megan 2.0, and it'll be making its way January 2025. Um, it's based on the screenplay by Elka Cooper and the story by James Wan himself. The movie stars Alison Williams, she of Get Out fame, uh, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Chiang, Amy Donald, Jenna Davis, Brian Jordan Alvarez, Jen Van Epp, Stephanie Garneau-Montaigne, or Stefan Garneau-Montaigne maybe, potentially, Laurie Duggie, uh, Amy Usherwood, and yeah, there's a ton of other people in here as well. The synopsis is a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. So, um, I went to see this in the cinema. I went with the Baz and our sexy buddy Dave and I liked it the most out of the three of us. Um, mostly because I appreciated how over the top and at times full on campy this movie actually is. I know that Megan is already a gay icon and I can kind of get it. I, I kind of see where people are with this one. The one thing that is confusing me is the the, the kind of needless comparisons to Child's Play. Um, I think this and the Child's Play remake are two completely different movies and I think if you're putting them in the same sentence I think you're missing a little bit of what Megan is trying to do differently and you probably didn't like the idea that Child's Play was getting a remake anyway. Um, without spoiling it, I think Megan is at its best when it's kind of dealing with the idea of kids themselves being addicted to technology and parents at their most convenient allowing that to happen because it gives them time back. I think that's probably where the movie works its smartest. I think it works at its most entertaining every other second in the movie where Megan is on doing something. Um, I think the pacing is really good, I think the setup is really good, I think it is horribly predictable and you're going to call the deaths pretty much all the way through it. And even its crescendo by the end is something that, if you've seen any movie before, you see the setup early on in the movie and how this is going to play out by the end. Um, I think it actually weirdly touches into a lot of different things that overall were fun to watch. It really does capture a, a great degree of, considering like 
death-wise, and once again, I don't want to go into a huge amount of spoilers, the body count is relatively low in this um, compared to, once again, a Child's Play movie. What I think it manages to do is it manages to add a sinister quality to the, the AI doll itself. It, it uses a technique that you get in a lot of... Uh, kid murder movies you know where like the, the children something wrong with the children and at some point they'll ask a question or do a thing that'll make an adult uncomfortable and if you're an adult yourself you will look at that and th feel that is uncomfortable as well um i think the score works really well it's shot incredibly well it's got the blumhouse rub all over it and james wan's name's right beside it as well one of the better blumhouse movies i've seen in a while actually um this one this one landed but i mean it is it is not only sticking its toe it's most likely planting its dick deep into a well of stuff that you've seen done before and i think that's maybe where the movie overall doesn't score as high as it might have under other, other circumstances it does really nod its head nay more than likely directly recreate scenes from movies from the 80s. Um, Child's Play being one of them, um, Robocop, um, there's, a, there's a whole kind of non-subplot in this movie which is downright Jurassic Park. Um, so yeah, it, it wears those influences very much on their sleeve but it also at the same time puts a fun colourful twist on them and I enjoyed those aspects. Overall, I found it very entertaining. I'd like, once again, in the same way that I found Orphan First Kill very entertaining, Megan is very entertaining. Actually, the two movies would double really well together for a fun, over-the-top, campy, big bowl of popcorn night and watching horror movies on a Saturday uh, with a couple of friends and a couple of beers. Um, and I would recommend Megan. I, I don't think it'll... If it makes my top 20, the year hasn't been as great as I kind of hoped it was going to. But I still had a lot of fun with it. I would give it three and a half out of five. And that is my review of Megan. Let's continue on, shall we? Next, a movie that chances are you've never heard of, you've never seen, and it's probably not going to be easy to see it. But I saw it. Um, here's a clip of Enna's Mean, and I'm going to be back to discuss it right after this. you weren't supposed to pick them. I didn't. Like it here on your own? I'm not on my own. 
Okay, okay, let's talk Ennis Main. Uh, this one is directed by Mark Jenkin. Now, Mark Jenkin is a guy who got a ton of buzz and kind of shot to the attention of a lot of people um, off the back of his movie Bait from 2019. Now, Bait not as in the horror shark movie, but Bait as in a kind of almost quasi-full documentary about a fisherman um, and <laughs> uh, like basically a fisherman a fisherman's tale is the best way I can describe it it's a terrible way to describe it but um, it, it, it's shot it's more we were less talking about the script and more talking about the way this movie was shot which was kind of handheld roller camera film and um, a lot of really, really quirky, old-fashioned filming techniques all pieced together to create a, a movie that felt like it had been lost for decades and discovered. And now he's back and he's doing Ennis Main, which a lot of people are pronouncing, including myself, as Ennis Men, until we all checked out Mark Kermode's review of it and then found that it's actually Ennis Main uh, because it involves a, um, a stone-like structure or island which is known as a main, uh, which is spelt men. Confused yet? I am. Um, this movie is kind of being sold under the idea premise that it is a folk horror movie. And it is and it isn't. Um, I think the movie, the movie's quote-unquote set in 1973. Um, it has all the visual trappings of, of, it feels like it's from 1973. Like, once again, he's using the same camera techniques this time. It's got that vibrant kind of 70s, not quite technicolor, but vibrant uh, palette on the screen. Minimal dialogue, minimal cast. Um, but... Like, if you've watched anything like Requiem for a Village, or maybe not quite to the extent of something like a Wicker Man, but certainly it has Wicker Man vibes, um, it has a view, a feel, a vibe of the era. Feels very authentic to 1973 without necessarily going hugely out of its way to be a movie that is, uh, is trying to be in 1973. It's a it's the cinema techniques here, um, cinematography, and and a lot of the design that give it that, as opposed to anything else out with that. Don't you see cars or anything, for example, um, that are going to set that off. Um, so yeah, written and directed by Mark Jenkin, minimal cast: Mary Woodvine, uh, Edward Rowe, Flo Crow, John Woodvine, Joe Gray, Lovedy Tomlow. Cal Mitchell, Morgan Val Baker, some other folks. Synopsis for Ennis Main is listed on the IMDb is set in 1973 in an uninhabited island off the Cornish coast. A wildlife volunteer's daily observations of a rare flower turn into a metaphysical journey that forces her, as well as the viewer, to question what is real and what is nightmare. Which is a perfect synopsis. Um. I love this. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, 
I think this is is really fucking well done. And I don't know if Mark Jenkins knows specifically how he managed to make this as good as he did, or if this was always his plan and it kind of morphed into something, or he was trying to do something else and he ended up with this. It is very difficult to, to try and put my finger on it, but as a lover of specifically UK 70s kind of weird folk horror and TV of the time, Ennis Mean is, uh, is like... It's like uncovering a movie that you had always heard about but never seen. Um, it's wonderfully shot. Sound design is fucking great. Um, of the era, definitely, because it's all ADR'd in. Um, and it does, it, it kind of languishes the viewer for a long period in the rep repetitive, monotonous nature of the, the volunteer on the island. And then, as you slowly continue throughout the movie... Um, different time periods start to meld over and you feel almost like the story's un unveiling the weird paradox of the volunteer on the island. There's definitely a bit of The Shining in here. Um, and it just continues to get weird and crazy and creepy in 70s. And then it ends, like about an hour and a half into it. And it doesn't go out of its way to explain anything and I'm not going to even try and attempt it. All I'm going to say is, in, in the same way that Skin of a Rink has this great feeling of kind of experience horror, Ennis Main is the same sort of idea. It's a, 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 a movie that is about like fully absorbing the weird cultural experience of of like cinema of this time which was experimental, dangerous, weird and psychedelic and it's all in here. Um, like I say, it owes a lot to the movies that were mentioned before and I think it's it is kind of fucking amazing. I like genuinely love this movie. Um, I caught it with Big Sexy Scott from Scott and Liam vs Evil who I don't think maybe necessarily enjoyed it fully as I did but he enjoyed it a lot more than I thought he was gonna and we both ended up kind of like bouncing ideas off each other as as I want at the end of movies um, and it was interesting he picked up things I hadn't picked up I picked up things he hasn't picked up so I think I'm going to actually gleam a lot more out of this on a second watch and I'm kind of looking forward to that moment uh, In His Main is a movie that, like I said before that's going to be quite difficult to see in the States I think Bait didn't get a huge release over there either uh, but hopefully you get a chance to check it out if anything I've mentioned floats your boat if you're someone that doesn't like weird kind of folk horror stuff from the 70s from the UK or just in general likes things a bit more linear and less arty then this movie is 100% not for you and if you watched it because I really liked it, you didn't heed my warnings, then more the fool you than me. Uh, I gave Ennis Mane a 4.5 out of 5, and it was the best horror movie that I saw this month. With that in mind, let's continue the good times are rolling through, and let's move to a clip of our next movie, which is Sick. We'll be right back to discuss it right after this. Who's there?
Give me the knife. Give me the knife. Be careful. Go. Okay, dokie, let's talk about sick. This is directed by John Himes. Um, and based on the screenplay by Catelyn Crabb and wait for it, Kevin Williamson, he of Scream and many other uh, standout landmarks of TV and cinema of the 1990s and early 2000s. Um, the movie stars Gideon Adlon, uh, Bethlehem Millen, Dylan Sprayberry. Mark Menchacha, uh, Jane Adams, Joel Courtney, Chris Reed, Dwayne Stevens, and some other folks are in here as well. Uh, I think probably Carla Bocciccio and some other folks, yeah. A lot, a lot of cast here. Well, at the same time, also not a lot of cast. The synopsis for this one is due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone. Or so they think. This movie is available on the cock. The peacock in the USA. Um, but is a Blumhouse Miramax co-production. Uh, I believe it was shot during the pandemic and it may have played some festivals last year uh, but finally made its way to platforms where everyone could see it this year. Um, it is a slasher movie. So, yeah. It's a slasher movie that uses, like, telephones, like mobile phones and telephones. So wait one second, it must be a Kevin Williamson fair. Yeah, for the most part, Sick feels like it treads a lot of familiar territory it's big kind of conceit or it's big difference here which i think both are the same um is that it's set during the pandemic and you know there's a lot of chat about covid and that's fine maybe not in 2023 when we're desperately trying to forget that we were all locked in our houses for about two years but it's it's moving that way um, it's a movie that relies on a couple of twists and for the most part I enjoyed the kind of simple slasher setup. I started to lose my interest when the reveal of who was behind the killing and the motivation for it was finally laid out and at that point my eyes rolled pretty hard. And a lot of the good work that the movie had undertaken suddenly, um, yeah, it kind of it kind of undone a lot of that for me. 
I think performances are good. I think the pacing is good. Um, I think the deaths are good. But ultimately, the last 30 minutes of this movie get progressively dumber and dumber and the re reveal itself is one that I just don't think works. It's actually quite ludicrous and there's about a million ways I think they could have done it, but that's just personal taste. So if you enjoyed this movie, you enjoyed the setup, you enjoyed the ending, you enjoyed the story, that is good for you. To me, it just felt, felt like we were pushing and pushing and pushing to try and do something different that we never stopped to think. Let's put it this way. The reveal of the killers in Scream about, you know, like, blame the movies and it was the movies behind it and all the rest. Um, and Scream 1 and specifically Scream 2, blame the movies, blame the movies. Um, those are a lot more plausible than this, which I don't think is at all. And where the rest of the movie is built on the idea of delivering tension and grounded reality in this kind of home invasion setting, as soon as they added that element in, it undid it for me. Like I say, it's a very well shot movie, well, really well put together, and the slashers go, not a bad one at all, but overall just didn't do what I thought it was going to do for me, and as a result, it came right down the middle. It was between I didn't like it and I liked it, I gave it a two and a half out of five. Right, let's continue on with the Blumhouse chat. Lots of Blumhouse stuff this month. Uh, this one also straight to streaming channels. There's something wrong with the children. We're back to discuss it right after this. Welcome back. So, there's something wrong with the children. An MGM Blumhouse co-production. Um, this one made its way on demand about the middle of the month. It's directed by Roxanne Benjamin, uh, based on a screenplay by David White and T.J. Kimifel. I think is how you pronounce his name. Most likely won't be, but ain't a lot that I can do about that. Um, right, where, where, where do we, where do we, where do we start is the big question. Um, right, yeah, let's do cast actually, cast would make sense. Uh, limited cast here, we've got Mandra Cruz, Zach Guilford, Briella Guzia, 
David Mattel, I think is how you pronounce that, Carlos Santos, Ramona Tyler, and Ashelia Wainwright. So that's your cast there. Um, synopsis. Uh, a family takes a weekend trip with longtime friends and their two children, but they suspect something supernatural when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. So this is tread once again treading a lot of familiar ground. This is kind of like a changeling story. Um, if you've seen them before, it kind of plays into that. But this time, the 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 movie is trying to be a bit smarter. I don't necessarily think it works, but it's trying to be a bit smarter around the idea of a couple that doesn't have responsibilities or any children, um, kind of seeing the effects of this other couple that have two kids, where their life has ended up, uh, and then ultimately the responsibilities that come with potentially being a parent, and how sometimes kids can be scary. And that's about as deep as the movie gets, if I'm honest. Um, it's a story you've seen done before it's not particularly acted great but on the flip side it has a fun script a, f a very fun over the top script um, some good cinematography not great cinematography it's not particularly long it's an hour and a half and has a bitchin score the score of this movie is absolutely nuts um I was trying to describe this a couple of days ago that when you watch Suspiria for the first time one of the, the big standout things for me is in the first two, three minutes you have a, a girl walking through an airport and the music is like the world is ending it's so intense and so over the top and that's kind of what is going on here like the soundtrack almost feels like it's for a completely different movie and as a result of that it kind of worked for me it, like it just added this really surreal trippy kind of psychedelic element which i don't think the movie was going for but it worked um overall like i say the acting isn't great um but the script is dumb enough that i did laugh a lot while it was happening i'm super curious as to how this got made i it kind of feels like one of those we got them during um, October last year and the year before. Those Blumhouse TV, you know, the, the four four movies of Blum. Um, it kind of feels like one of them, but like it didn't go to Amazon. They just went somewhere else. And I don't really have that much to talk about. Um, it's not great. It, it was entertaining enough. I have no real desire to go back and watch it. When it did things right, I thought it did it really well. His biggest issue is that it is a story that we have seen done by much better movies many, many, many times before. And as a result, this one kind of lets itself down with its lack of originality. That being said, I was entertained and I loved the score. So I'm giving it a three out of five. So there we go. That is There's Something Wrong With The Children. Let's swing into a penultimate review. This is available on Shudder. It's Sorry About the Demon. And here's a clip. You haven't tried to call well, Amy, have you? Well, once. Oh, I left her a voicemail and I might have been crying. Things were going so well with Amy. Well, this is Nick. Hey. Are you okay? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. You two decided to make it weird. You know, am I being weird? No, 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 I don't, no, no. Yeah, it's, I don't it's think it's fine. I'm not happy. You have to be prepared that you might not get her back. Hello? You were all alone in this big house and it's haunted. Super haunted. Oh, I'm definitely sensing something. What do you want from us? Human sacrifice. Yeah, that, I think that could be. All right. Yeah, we'll just do that, I guess. No, we're not Amy will be taken. I cast you out. This is really dangerous territory. That demon is looking for a sacrifice to take to hell. We don't have a lot of time. Amy needs our help. It is over. I, I printed these. The internet has a lot of great tips about how to exercise demons. Okay, dokie. Sorry about the demon. This is a Shudder original available on Shudder right now, written and directed by Emily Hagens, who is probably most known for the cold open segment of Scare Package which is an anthology that you can also find on Shudder. Uh, the movie itself stars John Michael Simpson, Jeff McQuitty, Olivia Dusian, Paige Evans, Dave Pinnock, Sarah Cleveland, Presley Allard, Judd Zapalia, uh, Tony Vespe, uh, some other folks are in here as well. Um, synopsis is a young man struggling with a broken heart learns that his new place is full of restless spirits. Uh, so this is a horror comedy and it's it does a lot right. Let me get to the stuff that it does right. I like the central character. I like the character of Will. Um, I like the relationships he had. I like the kind of setup of the broken heart. Kind of reminded me of, um, and its name escapes me, uh, a ghost waits, um, which is a more a, a much cheaper movie than this one, but its heart was in a similar right place. Um, of a kind of setup of someone kind of tragically alone looking for connection being in a place where the only connection he can get is from the other side in the case of this one a demon uh, the kind of setup as to how he ends up where he is is a lot of fun there's a continued group of jokes that i thought were really well done i thought some of the design and execution was really well done i think this movie is about 15 minutes too long um i think some of the jokes don't land as well as i kind of thought they would and ultimately it sometimes leans a bit too much into the comedy and not enough into the horror when clearly there's some good effects work going on here creature design is really good i would have expected them to lean a bit heavier in on that but then maybe that then unbalances what you get on the screen i'm not entirely sure uh, i thought the script for the most part was really good and the casting was on point it shot well, it's kind of bold, quirky and over the top. Um, the the kind of credits remind you almost of that um, 
that TV show Bewitched and the way it's put together is kind of like this kind of 50s, 60s Americana sort of thing going on with it. But that's not replicated anywhere else in the movie, which is kind of weird. Um, and yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of gags, there's a lot of like gags that we come back to. Um, I think work really, really, really well. But overall, um, it, there's something missing, and I think it could just a little bit more horror, and I think it could have ramped it up. Or just fully lean into the comedy, which it never quite does either. Like I say, I think it's maybe about 15 minutes too long. I think they could have shaved some of that out for sure. And I don't think it would detrimentally affect the viewing. Once again, it's on the streaming service. And as a result, things get longer on streaming services for sure. Uh, but it's entertaining. It's another movie that I found myself smiling at, uh, engaged with and enjoying for the majority of its runtime for sure. The ending's a bit, a bit twee, and uh, I don't think I knew whether or not I wanted to be setting up for something else, question mark, or whether or not I wanted to try and be a little bit more witty and funny at the end. I'm not sure. I, I would be guessing if I, if I, if I like, put my, my, my cards down one way or another. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's entertaining. I don't know how much I'll revisit it. I think it's a bit too long. But I enjoyed it when I was watching it. I'd give it three. Uh, was where I was landing. Maybe three. In fact, three and a half. It did make me smile. So let's get like let's give it... I don't smile a lot. So let's give it a three and a half out of five for Sorry About the Demon. Available on Shudder now. Which brings us to our last movie. This one is available in UK theatres. I don't know when it's making its way over to the States. It's directed by John Wright, he who did Grabbers, the Irish kind of tentacle horror movie. The Irish Tremors. Um, and we're going to discuss it, non-spoiler ofs, right after this. We live here. Can you believe it? Honey, I'm home. <sighs> there is one more thing. The Red Cats. Is anyone there? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Okay, unwelcome. Um, screenplay by Mark Stein, John Wright, directed by John Wright. Like I say, he did um, Grabbers. Uh, the movie stars Hannah John Kamen, Douglas Booth, Colm Meany. Uh, Christian Nairn, Chris Wally, Nam Kuzak, uh, Finbar Lynch, Rick Warden, I'm just butchering all these Irish names, Leila Roddy, Paul Blackwell, Caskey Brown, Mark Deservo, and some other folks around here as well. Synopsis for this one is married couple Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland, only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the narrowed ancient woods at the foot of their new garden. Um, right, I really like Grabbers. Um, I know a lot of people out there have a fondness for it. I think it gets the horror and the comedy probably just right, whilst leaning maybe slightly more towards the comedy. Unwelcome is a horror comedy that I think leans more towards the horror but tries to be funny and I think its attempts at humour are sometimes really ill-placed. 
this movie is surprisingly mean, like genuinely mean, um, in ways which kind of floored me a little bit by how mean. Um, there is a lot of this which um, which leans into kind of physical, domestic, and sexual violence um, in a way which really did surprise me. Whilst at the same time has what felt like for the most part kind of animatronic meets CGI creature design. Um, I, I mean, the plot synopsis is probably spot on there. Um, suffice to say, if you've seen the trailer, you know the conceit of this one is at the foot of the garden of the house that they inherit, um, they're told to leave a blood offering to keep the red caps at bay. The red caps are these little critter-like creatures. Kind of reminded me a little bit of, if you've ever seen Cat's Eyes, um, the, the short with the little goblin that tries to steal the little girl's breath, that's what the creatures look like. So just imagine a lot of them. Um, it's Like I say, it's surprisingly mean. Uh, Hannah John Kamen looks ill throughout the majority of the movie. Call Mini, man. Honestly, Mini by name, Mini by nature. Um, I know him as Chief O'Brien. Um, but in this one, he plays a character called Whelan, who goes by the name of Daddy, which is really uncomfortable. And every time he says it, it gets even more uncomfortable. Um, his eldest son is uh, Christian Nairn, who played Hodor. If you watch Game of Thrones, he's in this. And another collection of... Actors and actresses that you've seen in TV before, as you watch TV in the UK, it's kind of littered with them, or like people that have been in the back of a Game of Thrones, because anyone that lives in Ireland now that is an actor has been in Game of Thrones and is now in something else, purely being known as the person that was in Game of Thrones. Um, the movie has a uncomfortable first third, a awkward second third and then the last third it really finds its mean ground and goes for a kind of almost evil dead-esque finish and that's where the movie shines it's just a really bizarre journey to get to it it's about an hour and 45 minutes long which once again feels like not too long but just kind of feels like there there's there's bits we can shave out here and not necessarily detrimentally affect the movie itself um this is a co-production with um, a couple of different groups that I fed into it which makes me think this movie is going to be on Shudder somewhere down the road this year so if you're in the States you probably see it there and had this played at a festival I actually think I would have enjoyed it a lot more than the cinema experience I had when I was working away down in Birmingham and I was mostly myself in a giant fucking auditorium kind of looking at it going huh um yeah, I don't know. I'd like, I'm not convinced that this is a great movie, but I think it has elements that make it a lot of fun. And some design and some attention to nastiness and those kind of weird Irish folklorish elements that elevate it. But overall, tonally, it's very uneven. And it sometimes delivers a, a degree of meanness that I don't think the movie necessarily merits. Overall, though, I, I mean, it's it's not going to make my end of year list, and I'm glad I checked off. And it's great to see that um, John Wright is still out there making movies, specifically in this genre. Be interested to see what he comes back with next. I gave it a three and a half out of five. So, just to recap, on this episode, we did 
Skinnamarink, which I gave a 4 out of 5 to. We did Megan, which I gave a 3.5 out of 5. We did Ennis Main, which I gave a 4.5 out of 5. There was, of course, Sick, which I gave a 2.5 out of 5. There's Something Wrong With The Children, which I gave a 3. Uh, Sorry About The Demon, which I gave a 3.5 to. And then Unwelcome, which also got a 3.5. This month, I also checked out Kids vs. Aliens, the brand new movie by Jason Eisner. Um, I did a standalone review of that one. It's available already and on the YouTube, so please go and check that one out. And that was my month of horror movies that are brand new titles that have been released. I don't think I missed many. There was a few Shudder titles that I've still to check out. Um, and I'll probably save off on those ones for my 31 of October. Um, and yeah, for all those that are like, what, Duncan? No Infinity Pool? Doesn't get released over here until February, so that'll be covered at the end of February if we don't do Ibazi's Backdoor Cinema to it first. I'm going to take my final break of this episode, but I'll come back and close the show and I'm doing it right after this. <laughs> You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 428. This has been your January 2023 recap. The recap episodes looking at brand new horror titles that came out this month in many non-spoiler reviews. Thank you very much for checking out this episode. Please make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now and that way you will never miss anything from Podcasts Under the Stairs. If you're feeling any giving, subscribing mood, then subscribe to our sister feed, The Teapots Collective, which officially returns from its month and a half hiatus um, back into the year 2023 this week with episodes of Doing the Nasty and Where to Begin With. So subscribing to the Teapots Collective and this feed, best way to support what I do under the stairs. Alternatively, you can subscribe to our YouTube page, um, which I'm almost at the stage to get a custom URL for, which would make me very happy, uh, or visit our website, teapotscast.com. Links to everything are on that site, as well as a link to Jaws's Shite and other regrettable outbursts, a booze-based banter entertainment podcast also coming back in the next couple of weeks if you're on the facebook facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapots cast gets you the podcast under the stairs facebook.com forward slash teapots cast gets you the teapots collective and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod gets you the the good old-fashioned jaws's shite facebook group page uh, a den of villainy and skullduggery Alternatively, you can check us out on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter at TeapotsCast for both. The podcast under the stairs returns this coming Sunday when we do Blood and Diamonds, the brand new title from the 88 Films Italian Collection series. So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>